0: Hello, and welcome to Let's Meet the Virologists, a podcast about the people behind today's virology headlines. With the annual American Society for Virology meeting coming up in two weeks, we are talking with graduate students and postdoctoral researchers
1: who will be attending the meeting.
0: Um, Great. Um, Thank you for talking with us today. Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Okay, thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, Yeah, so Kathleen Glover is... um, I'm the last of four siblings, uh, two boys and uh, two girls. I'm the last, and um, I come, my fa- my parents, my dad was uh, a dental technician and my mom a teacher. So the whole house was always about academics, learning and everything. So um, when I finished with my undergrad, I had the interest of um, being in academia and hence told myself that to be in academia, I needed to have a PhD. That was that's that's basically what's brought me this far and currently where I am now. Yeah.
0: Um, and sort of why science? So how did you first become interested in science? When you, if, like if you're talking about academics, obviously you could do academics and music or you know history. Why why science?
1: So science, I I, I would. I'll say from when I was a kid, my dad, our home was one whereby every Christmas, my dad used to, we, um, we have this tradition of killing the goat, and then my dad takes out the various organs and then starts telling us what they all play, the lungs, the hearts. So as little as I was, I think, as far as I can remember, it was a tradition and that started building uh, my interest to get to know more about what my dad used to tell us about, uh, teach us every Christmas. Were, I remember there were times that he would plant a seed and then he would show us the various parts of um, as the seed germinates, and then um, yeah, other stuff about it. So um, science has been something that was embedded in me way back when I was a kid. So my siblings, everyone in my family, we, uh, went through that same career path in science because my dad had that interest. He started it with last we were kids and I grew to love it. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: and can you tell us a little bit about sort of like how you ended up in your undergrad institution? How did you find your graduate institution and your lab? Sort of what were the steps that you went through and kind of what were you looking for at these different places?
1: So I had my undergrad and my master's in the University of Ghana. That's my country of origin. And um, when I was moving um, from the undergrad level, I remember we had various courses we used to take. So it wasn't basically microbiology. It was, we had um, chemical pathology, pathology, other courses. But uh, what actually made me, uh, maybe made me interested in pursuing this Kind of uh, path was after I sought advice from my friend. I can say she's she was my career guidance career guidance counselor in a way, and then she asked me two things, two questions. She asked me where do I find, where do I want to find myself in the next ten years, and then what is my interest. Uh, first of all, in terms of the subjects, I mean, interest in terms of uh, one that I was making good grades didn't struggle to and and, then had an understanding, love the subject as a whole. So microbiology was it. I mean, it's met every question she asked me. And then once I started, I mean, looking at the various branches of microbiology, because microbiology is very broad biology was, I mean, it had everything I wanted because it had the opportunities, it was very interesting. I mean, the things we're exposed to as far as, I mean, at, in Ghana, we didn't have most of the technologies that I am exposed here to, like in terms of um, doing real biology work, like getting to see, do infections, do immunofluorescence, uh, imaging, all those things at the undergrad master's, it wasn't there. So those things were a bit lacking, but um, the interest was already there and, and still pursued it like to this point, yeah.
0: Okay, and how did you get, or how did you um, get to your graduate institution? What brought you to that particular place?
1: Um, when I finished with my master's, I, I, I mean, I wanted to be in academia, And kept so the next thing was to now look for a lab whereby I, in terms of the research ideas I had, that was key, it was it it would fall in line with what I wanted to do. So I had some ideas because I was working with on my during my master's, I did something with human papillomavirus in women living with HIV and um, looking at. Um HPV, I mean, we have I mean we have vaccines currently, but I was interested in learning more at the cellular level, and in looking at so I started doing research, reading about faculties, what their yeah, research interest is, what they do, and um yeah I I read my uh, my supervisor's profile, his research area, and then yeah worked out.
0: Great, and can you describe a little bit about the lab that you're in currently? So what's the size of it? Sort of what's the interaction between the people in the lab? What's it like?
1: Our lab is located at the Manitoba Center for Proteomics and System, Systems Biology uh, in Manitoba. So it's quite a big lab. Um, we have various, um, various um, peer and supervisors with their students. Who um, are also undertaking other research uh, work in their various uh, area of interest. So our lab is also located there. We have the biology lab where we do all our stuff, our biology-related um, research work. And um, I would say in within our team, I would say it's one that is has very great teamwork. So teamwork in the sense that we have um, no one's no one's work is said to be. Just you. Everyone is there to contribute to help. So it's one that's the energy and the atmosphere makes working really exciting, and also getting insights from other colleagues and uh, also my supervisor. It's it makes uh, it gives you all the motivation to explore beyond your ideas of your research topic, which um, yeah has been really amazing so far. Great,
0: great. So why don't you tell us a little bit about this research then? What what are you working
1: on? Okay, so I'm working on um, Zika virus. Um, So when I started my PhD in 2016, Zika virus was a hot topic. Um, We had this Brazil babies being born in microcephaly, concerns about the Olympic Games. Yeah. So um, basically, I mean, it's looking at host proteins that the virus hijacks because we all know viruses, they depend on their host machinery, I mean, the, the, in terms of pathways, proteins, whatever molecules they find during infection to be able to complete a repetitive, repetitive cycle, to be able to um, I mean, survive and produce progeny virus and other stuff. So um, my work is to look out for well, which are these proteins that Zika virus utilizes. So using proteomic tools, um, I use, uh, is basically using in vitro in vitro approach using cell lines which would be able to uh, will be able to capture what happens in the in vivo uh, states when like when the virus is in the host actually and then causing an the infection. So looking out for proteins, the virus uses, and then see how best to identify how they impact the virus in the host. So doing knockdown and then see whether the virus would be affected in any way during infection. And then uh, hopefully um, in one and hopefully um, use that as a, propose that as potentially prognostic markets for developing vaccines and antivirals because currently Zika virus, there are no vaccines, there are no antivirals. And also in terms of um, diagnosis is by iron-muted acid testing. So the question comes that in a place where the virus is endemic and this technology is not available with a rapid diagnostic kit, it makes us to have a very clear a, a clear picture of what's happening. So, yeah, so hopefully these markers that my research is, uh, has identified and um, would propose would hopefully contribute towards um, these things, these uh, interventions which are currently not available. Yeah.
0: Right, right. And the cell lines that you use, are these mammalian cell lines or are they insect cell lines?
1: So um, there are more ma- mammalian. Um, I had the plan of working with uh, insects uh, cell lines. Um, that's something that would be in the future. Looking at also uh, markets that could be um, linked to the virus. I know some groups have actually used insect cell lines. Also as a group that used uh, the C six thirty six cell lines to look did some proteomic screen to identify um, host proteins. There were some. There were a few caveats in that paper, which um, uh, one of the future directions I'm also, th- I'm really thinking about, but most of the cell lines I've used so far have been mammalian based and um, have identified really promising targets. And that's one of the targets I even, uh, I came across is what I'll be talking, I'll be speaking on during my oral presentation at in, during ASVE this year.
0: Oh, great. So we look forward to that. Um, so I guess, um, what's next so you're getting towards the end of your phd i assume so what are your what are you thinking about for your next steps are you still interested in academics or are you wanting to do something else
1: definitely my interest has never died down it's still the same uh, career path um i i don't i i think one thing that has made me still maintain the idea or the passion to still be in academia is based on the supervision I've had, because I've had a really amazing PhD training uh, under my supervisor and the lab has been amazing. So um, the plan is to do a postdoc and um, hopefully once um, I'm able to, and also, I mean, I'm able to get into a very good postdoctoral training. Hopefully that would um, be one of the steps to finally Enter the field they, they, that is being in faculty, which is my ultimate uh, plan. And also being active research because throughout my PhD, it's been very productive. I've been able to publish, publish most of my research findings. So, publication is one thing that I really enjoy. And um, I believe the postdoc would also be a great opportunity. So, the plan is I've already looked into that and working seriously towards that too.
0: So what do you look for in a good postdoc? What makes a good postdoc?
1: Yeah, that's a very good question. So one thing that's, I mean, this question was actually, it was actually um, highlighted during our research day. We uh, we have this uh, event called Research Day in in the University of Manitoba. It's only Manitoba, it's more more all Canadian universities um, Presentations. We have sessions where we meet um, some of these PIs from other universities, and the the one once once I remember one of them actually addressed this question in terms of looking for a postdoctoral lab. Um, one thing is about how are the students faring? So are the students who who were produced from that lab? Where do they? Where Where do you? of them currently be and currently in are they people who are very productive who are doing really well so how productive the lab is is one of the key things I look at because it's not just to gain more skills I know it's going to be an opportunity to gain more skills but also I also don't want to look at it from only the skill angle but also productivity get more publication out there so productivity and also looking at the students generally who have being produced from that lab is one of the key things I look into. And also the last thing I also look into is the energy in the lab, because I believe that um, most times productivity comes from having a positive energy in the lab. I've had a lab, I mean, the lab I've been in for the past five years, it's been amazing, as I said. It's, I mean, coming to work is a joy and then working, it's you put in your best because you have a very supportive supervisor, your colleagues are amazing. So we the energy, productivity and also the students are the key things I look into, yeah.
0: Cool, interesting. Um, And then can you tell us a little bit about, so, Ghana, Manitoba, very different places. What was that like?
1: <laughs> That's a very good question. So, honestly, um, I would say the first two months was quite, it was a very big shift. Um, yeah, it was a very big shift because um, I had, I had spent I mean I went for a few conferences for to come in to Manitoba but um, I don't live in my family. I mean it's, it was a very big shift not and then aside that to the weather it was it was, it was really different. So uh, it was a very big shift for me very big change. And um, when I, luckily for me, I got an apartment about five minutes from my, from the, um, from the university. So the first winter wasn't, it was bad, but um, yeah, it was, it was okay. Yeah. But now it's, 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 I, I, I can say I'm really settled and yeah, I'm really enjoy, I've really enjoyed the time spent. Yeah. In my PhD.
0: Okay. And then, what has the last sort of year and a half or so been like for you? So we've all had difficult times, obviously, because of the COVID pandemic. What what has it been like for you as someone who has been in uh, Manitoba, in Canada, but then also, I assume, you still have family back in Ghana. What's that been like?
1: Yeah, thank you for the question. I mean, um, COVID came unexpected I was for me I would say it came unexpected how things moved it was really fast um because I I think 2019 we weren't expecting it to go global uh, to end up being a, a pandemic so in terms of my research work I was it was I was affected to some extent because uh yeah I I quite remember the day we had, a, we had, we went on total lockdown. I was in the middle of an experiment and everything. I think I had just two days to finish and I had to just end everything because we had, we had to go, we had to go on lockdown. Yeah. So it was, it was quite difficult. Just all that work had to just go away had just to be destroyed. So yeah, that was quite difficult. And um, yeah. So my research work was really impacted. Um, staying home, um, not having family is one of the things that really is, it can be very difficult. Uh, but keeping in touch, my family is one that I can say in a day, I, they all, always check on me. So I think it's brought us closer as a family because um, we got to know that yes, we are, we are not that flexibility of moving around, it's no more there. Where you could visit a friend or che- or a friend could check on you. So communication became more intense I mean with, within my family and um, yeah that's, I think that's basically how we were able to go through it. Um, yeah yeah but it was it was quite it was quite a very big change for me personally and then academically um, yeah it's, it's, it had a very great impact yeah.
0: And now what is it like? So Canada is doing great on vaccination now. You're sort of like slow out of the gates, but you guys are pulling way higher than most places. But what is that like being in Canada and sort of seeing that, but then also seeing sort of places like Ghana and other places where there's not so much access to vaccines? What's that like?
1: So with regards to the vaccine, um, I, I think Canada has done really well because I know most of my colleagues have had their second shot. I'm yet to go for my second one, so I think the government has they have made it very, um, very convenient for people to, um, to for people to um, have access to the vaccine, and all and also, I mean the challenges that one would have had to go through. It's not there. You call. You just book. Then you get a slot for your. Vaccination um, for Ghana, and also I think um, to before I talk about Ghana, I think here yeah, because um, I think most things are done in a very orderly way. So it's like even mm-hmm. if I know a, a, a colleague who had a call to go for her vaccine, so it's like you're, you're having follow-ups call to go for the vaccines for Ghana. I think the one thing that I know, I, my family has all been vaccinated. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, my brothers. My brother in Ghana, he has gone for all his, he has his two shots. And then my, I have another brother in Brazil. He also has gone for all his shots and as well as my mom. So, but in terms of the people there, I think that the issue is people are still are living in a, in, in, in a phase where they don't believe the virus actually exists. Mm-hmm. So they actually don't see the impact So in terms of the relevance or the importance of going in for the vaccine, it's it's, even though the government, I learned they've made some of the vaccines available, but in terms of the urgency and I mean, going for it, people still need to be educated to actually see the relevance of having it. So I think that's one of the main challenges. And also it's the is more dispersed. We have people in the villages. And so in terms of People moving, like moving there to educate them, letting them know that you need to have the vaccine and then send the vaccines there. I think these are things that, yeah, it will take some time. And um, yeah, I'm hopeful that, I mean, things would go away, will go way better, would there be improvement as um, the year goes, goes by.
0: All right. Well, thanks so much for talking to us. We look forward to your talk at ASB and good luck with your postdoc hunt.
1: Thank you very much. And thanks so much for this wonderful opportunity. This has been Let's
0: Meet the Virologists, a podcast about people who study viruses. This is your host, Larissa Backright, and Thanks for listening.